Breaking news. Jack Johnson cleared his throat and discovered his actual voice. Hey, this is the It's All True podcast from WBEZ, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from Tim Barnes. That's me. Each week on the show, I chat with an awesome human being and then ask them to reveal a funny personal true story. And this week's guest is author Lizzie Skernick. We discuss her latest book, That Should Be a Word. And you know what? Let's stop the music for a second. This was the most surprising interview ever recorded on the show. First of all, when Lizzie came into the radio station, she thought that I was my own intern, which is laughable enough. And we just talked and talked while, in her mind, she was waiting for the host, me, to arrive. Then, as we entered the studio, right before I pressed the record button, she said something that just blew me away. It was something like, and you know, I'm black, blah, 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 blah. That floored me. Not because she was black, but because I didn't suspect that she was. Does that make sense? Parenthetically, I'm black, if you can't tell by my voice. If you know me or have listened to the show before, you know I am notorious for assuming white people are black. I mean, think about this moment from the episode with John Roy. When I, when I first saw you on TV, I thought you were black. What? I thought you were black. You thought I thought I you were black. like Mariah Carey level of black. Well, I have, I mean, this is, there's no other way to get into this, but I have big <laughs> lips. I, I do. And I shave my head. And a lot of my jokes uh, are about racism. But I am, I am not black. So yes, I'm notorious for thinking white people are black, but never in my life have I assumed a black person is white. Until this interview. And then I was corrected. Of course, I immediately got over the shock, but the interview took a turn I never expected. Here's the conversation with Lizzie Skernick. Well, let's just, I mean, what you, what you brought up to me uh, before, before we even started recording was such a revelation to me. I know. And I, you, said, you said it so casually, like, yeah, I'm black. Well, how was I supposed to say it? (laughs) I'm supposed to start crying, leave the room, come back in, like show you pictures of my family. Yeah, and I I don't want—I don't want this to be like one of those weird interviews. But I have this—I mean, as a black person who sometimes is. not as ambiguous as I could be. I mean, I'm obviously black, but pe- people think I'm... No one thinks you're white. That's no one for... thinks I'm white, but they think I'm no, mixed no, no. with like a lot of things. And I am like, I have Creole in Louisiana yeah. and stuff no, like we that. No, ch- we each of my family are the Lowry's and the Bears down there. But you know there's a saying among old black people, all black people who can read know each other. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. It's so well, great. it's like a saying from... It, it, it's sort of a joke, but the... Uh, the so all my... Um, family on my mom's side. My mom, who's black, always taught at historically black universities like Langston University and Bluefield State. And Langston in particular is in Oklahoma. And they all came up from Louisiana to go uh, there because it was to an all-black town, Langston, where you don't get killed. And so the world was very small, that world of black academia and that social world. So it was true in a way. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's a joke, but it was true. One of my heroes is Duke Ellington. And when he talks about his childhood in Washington, he talks about that sort of like this nest of 
educated people building this this little society. Yeah, there's not enough. Like I always wonder why that doesn't get made. Like like the um like it's all Tuskegee Airmen. The 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 part about what was that movie about the debate team? Oh, the Great Debaters. The Great Debaters. Like my grandmother knew the Great Debater guy, the coach guy. Your grandmother knew Denzel Washington. Yeah. She knew him when he was in Glory. <laughs> Have you seen Glory? I feel like you were born I have seen, I, when I Glory saw, was made. Yeah, but they, of course they showed it in you know classes. Oh my god! You know, like when we went th- when we talk about the civil rights, uh, the civil rights. Oh my god! <laughs> now I'm the worst black person ever. When they talk about the Civil War, they would they would play that movie. The Civil Rights War movement. <laughs> <laughs> so my fascination though is when you can you know pass. Yeah. In certain situations where people don't realize you're black, do you hear things oh that I God. wouldn't hear in situations? Let me tell you something. I was just I often put this on Facebook because it's fascinating to me. Every time I get in a cab, whoever is driving the cab, unless they're a black person and possibly period, periodically, if, it, if it's a black person who's not American, you know, who's not from here, they'll do it, too. Like my cab driver from here I uh, in Jersey City when I was going to Newark Airport said they were talking about the suit with CVS, which was having a very they were, you know, they were telling uh, they were telling people to profile uh, black people and Hispanics. And the cab driver is a company I use a lot. And I know the guy and he's Egyptian. And he goes, well, you know, black people and Hispanics are the only ones who shoplift. (laughs) And that basically happens to me. Every time I'm in a cab. A new thing happened to me in Chicago, though. When I when I came here, I was trying to tell the guy where to go. And I was looking it up on my iPhone. And, and he comes back in the cab and says loudly, stupid bitch. And I... <laughs> And I said, did you just call me a stupid bitch? Oh, my God. This guy was Eritrean. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. And then I was like, well, you're f***ing driving me to my hotel and I am not giving you a f***ing tip. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> I'm so glad I got a chance to tell both those stories, though, because it was like I was insulted as a woman. I yeah. was insulted as a black person. My son, Javier, is from Mexican and Colombian sperm. So he was insulted by proxy. Uh-huh. So it was just, you know, I was like, no one likes us. Wow. Your son is like the future. He's totally the future. And actually, I will tell you something funny about my son. Every Everybody, every mother is always like, he reminds me so much of my kid. I think he kind of looks like my kid. And I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, he does sort of look like your kid. But then finally I realized he looks like every child <laughs> except every child who's like white. Like he doesn't okay. look like one of those big fat white Chicago yeah, babies. Yeah. But he, it's a little bit freaky, and that's why, because he's future child. He's future. He's Fred Armisen world. Yeah, I guess, but he's much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you how'd you get into writing? <laughs> You're gonna be like, so how'd you get Colombian and Mexican sperm? <laughs> I was gonna tell you the whole story. <laughs> wait, wait, when you said sperm, you meant sperm. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought that was you know a tongue in cheek way of, of no, no, no okay. of saying I had this sex is with someone by no. far <laughs> the most mind blowing interview I've ever had. <laughs> I did not expect any of this. <laughs> I feel uh, like I'm trying to make up for any boring-ass interviews you had to have in your past. 
<laughs> so uh, I don't know how to phrase the question. This is all, you know, just coming out. Why Why the sperm? <laughs> That's my favorite. That's going to be the title of your memoir. Why, the, why all the sperm? <laughs> Bathed in it. Um, I let's see. I well, I'm actually writing an essay right now, so I'll just talk talk away the essay. But no, I hadn't. I was much more ready to have a baby than I was to have a husband. You know, I felt like husbands would get in my way, um, or men would be mean, or yell at me, or tell me I couldn't be a writer, <clears throat> which are generally things my boyfriends have done. So um, just because I had stupid boyfriends, but then when I was 39, I was like, I want to have a baby. So. You can buy sperm very easily. Um, <laughs> I, astonishing. I mean, it's really. It's like we should pull up some sperm right now. It's like <laughs> it's like Match. dot com, and you go on and you choose your credentials, and then you can buy it right there. It's like my sperm was seven hundred dollars a vial, um, but I thought about like sperm is very cheap. Eggs are expensive, and whole babies. Like if you're gonna like <laughs> make a bespoke baby. <laughs> That's like $200,000. But sperm is really cheap. I feel like I'm having the most high-class New York conversation, <laughs> like straight out of a Woody Allen movie. Like this is, <laughs> except he rarely has black people. That's in his true. Movies. That's true. That's the problem. <laughs> well, he did have uh, Chiwetel in one of those movies. I know. And, uh, he was like in a suit and wandering yeah, yeah, around, yeah. saying something fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I was, I was jealous of him because I wanted to be the first Woody Allen star type. You, you know wanted I mean? to meet the rapist to... personally. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that story is true. Did you read the Vanity Fair? Uh, the one that his his daughter wrote. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, read it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard to separate the art that I love from from, and uh, we're having to do that with so many more people. Bill Cosby. I know. It's, it's. I always thought Bill Cosby was creepy, though. He was mean. Well, the thing about Bill Cosby is, I feel like. There had to be be a reason why he fell into this character he created so much. Where, because well, I mean, his career, he wasn't always the, that no, no, Bill no. Cosby. No, he wasn't. That was, well, it's interesting because, you know, later he was always talking, because this comes back a little bit to what we're talking about, you know, not the Jack and Jill black middle class of now, but the one of like 1920, 1930, which is different. And I feel like Bill Cosby was not trying to hearken back to that exactly because – but what everyone would say, what every white person and every cab driver would say is like, oh, that's not true. That's not – that doesn't exist. I was just like it totally fucking exists. What's wrong with you? But the world is so they racist. To believe that. Yeah, that- oh, yeah, because – you know, my like my parents, I mean, my parents both are from New York. They met in New York. My dad's Jewish. My mom's black. They both were at City College. If you look through the old, you know, I was raised in Englewood, which is a town filled with black people and white people. And I just feel like and Jersey City, Jersey City is the worst. I mean, in what ju- way? What? you really can't tell whose child is whose. I mean, in a in a hilarious way. That's so great. You, It's great, but it's you would be very stupid if you were like, this is that person's <laughs> child. Like, you'd be like an asshole. But that's beautiful. Like, yeah, so, yes. No, so, it's, go- it's so, not bad. <laughs> did you sure. find racism in a world like that? Here's what's interesting. So I lived in Baltimore for nine years. And in Baltimore, I remember once seeing there was a um, a white guy who was clearly a cop who's like wearing his off-duty white guy clothes. And he was sitting next to his son, who's a young black kid. 
And they just both, I mean, had identical body posture. I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was just they were so clearly father and son. And as I saw them, I was thinking in my sentimental way, I was like, well, this is how we're going to solve cop killings. You know, yeah. white people, white cops have to see black boys as their sons. They have to look at them and see them as people. They have to look like their sons to them. Um, but in Baltimore, so there's a lot of white cop marriages with black nurses because, you know, this where you meet at work mm-hmm. and whatever. But people are still – I mean, it's the wonderful thing about people. <laughs> people <laughs> We're very resilient. Well, you can just still be – racist. You know, we're very complex. You know, (laughs) my dad and my mother, I mean, black people are totally racist against black people. Especially, you know, know, Creole black people. Oh, the worst. (laughs) My grandmother was always talking about her thin lips and blah, blah, blah. You know, because it's not so much that a person is racist, it's that the culture is racist. I mean, here's an example. I was raised in Englewood, which is also was the city of biraciality when I was born there. (laughs) And so we had a good friend. So most of the couples I knew were were also biracial, most of the parents. Um, And but my parents' best friends, Bill and Sue, who lived around the corner, I assumed Sue was black because Bill was black. This is I'm the child of a biracial couple. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But in my head as a little girl, Sue had to be black. Which with with because Bill was black, which is crazy. <laughs> so the actual life you live has, I mean, it does have it. It's like it's a dual effect. You know, when you think about like, you know, I'm getting all serious. Now I'm your teacher. <laughs> but when you think about something, think about it more like the army or sports teams. You know, you have these dual existences where you're brothers because you're on the sports team together, but you're still both so fucking racist. So, <laughs> y- you know, you know each other. Is, it's like you have this separate – you can separately have a bond that it's extraordinarily strong, but it doesn't erase – the yeah. big old racism you have too. And that's how most relationships are, just oh, in general. Yeah. Yes, it, it, about anything. Yeah. About anything. And I mean, I, the, it, but it, I just <laughs> love that racism survives that too. It's just sexism, <laughs> racism, any any bad thing, totally. You know, the most loving, great father. I'd, I had so many friends after the Game of Thrones rapes, for the most recent rapes, having to explain to their dads that because they were married, these were they was still rape even though the couples were buried. Oh wow! And these were men that would no sooner ra- like the idea of raping their wives. Yeah, you know. But still, it's it's just this bizarre, you know, separation. When you think about the neighborhood you grew up in, yeah. do you consider yourself lucky? In I mean, the psychological sense. Was it easier to grow up in a neighborhood like that as someone who was biracial than if you were to grow up in a very white neighborhood or uh, a neighborhood that was mostly black? It was actually – it was all those things simultaneously because on the one hand, I was just Lizzie, Liz, as I was called then. And – but then on the other hand, the parts I heard, you know, I think I was also probably a little bit richer – then not richer, but my family was maybe a teeny bit richer than most of the kids in the school, white or black. So that was also part of how people saw me. I was also a bookworm. <laughs> you know, it was more what I felt more was my parents simultaneously wanting me to be 
an example for the black community. Even to this day, my father will say, well, you're not really black. I mean, you're not black like your mother's black. Ah. And I know he's not saying it to be a jerk, but I, but in a way I know what he means. To him, being black is being raised in a time when things were actively racist, you, you know, like my mother was followed around Bloomingdale's, you know, it's a, it, you know, just actively racist things that happen to any black person all the time. And in his head, because that doesn't happen to me and because that didn't happen to me in 1963, I'm not black. Um, and, you know, that kind of thing does infect you, I think, because I was I was sort of a child who always felt what every adult was feeling around me, you know, every single adult. And so I feel like my brain does get crowded by those things. Like last night I saw, have you seen Regina Taylor's play yet? I haven't. It's so good. (laughs) But what I loved about it especially is I was kind of like, oh, I'm not the only black person that doesn't run around being completely neurotic about this (laughs) shit. And of course, no one isn't neurotic about it. Black neurosis is something that... I thought you were going to be like, but real black people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm saying uh, that's something I try to do in my comedy a lot is talk, not talk about it, but uh, allow people to experience black neurosis because i feel like it's not considered neurosis when people think about it but you're constantly sort of paranoid about thoughts or perceptions whenever you walk through a door oh yeah but although you look see here's the thing like your life is different from mine because you walk into a door and people see a young black guy you know I look at you and I'm like, oh, my little brother, my intern. You know what I mean? I literally was, because you said that, I did first think you were Tim Barnes, but because you said that, I was like, I can't believe this fucking intern has to be here on a beautiful Saturday. That's terrible. But like, you know, other people think crazy shit. And I, and I do see that because it's like, for me, if I see a black woman, I see my aunt Sherry, I see my mom, you know, if I see a black dad, I see all the people I grew up with. But what my parents and I have concluded, and what I think is really true, is that most white people, and I would say most, we're getting so serious, (laughs) don't look at black people and see human beings. They just don't. They don't see like, this is the person like I'm a person. They just do not. Um, And I'm always, and I have had people get Pissed. Like I had a boss once who was obsessed – and I feel bad now because she died because she got hit by a bus. But um, she was obsessed with the civil rights movement. She had all her you know, things, all her buttons that she'd marched with. When she hired me, she thought I was white. <laughs> and then later she somehow learned I was black. And she, or I think I just told her at some point. And she got so f***ing pissed. Why? Be- because she was like – and I could feel what she was thinking. One part, she wasn't getting credit for her black person. That was a big problem. But two, I had gone to Yale. And in her head, she thought I was getting a white person from Yale, not a black person from Yale. And a black mm, person from Yale must somehow be, worth – Yes, is a, fake, is a fake Yale person. You know, and I always wanted to be like, I just want to show her my essay. Like, <laughs> it's like, do I need to pull out my SAT? scores, but I could feel it. And she uh, eventually did fire me. 
Um, it was crazy. But that that has happened too where someone's like – I mean definitely white people will be like, you're not really black. <laughs> and it's just sort of like, well, you would know. <laughs> but how often do you get that from black people? Never. 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 Because we're not crazy. <laughs> we're not crazy. And what's so funny though is that that's the – people always think it's black people saying that. I have never had a black person say that to me in my life. And there are a lot of black people in my life. And I don't think it would even occur to them. Uh, but, you know, but, and that is something I see, I think a lot of mixed kids, and it was back when I called them mixed, do, did get flack for that. I, I never got flack for that from black people once in my life, huh. from white people all the time. <laughs> all the time. You're not really black. Because I feel like a lot of people when they say, like a lot of companies where they try to when they use the word diversity, oh yeah, it's that like means they hired a black person to run yeah, the HR department. Like, and the way they say the word sounds like they're actually just talking about a can of Sprite. You know what I mean? Like it'll be refreshing. It'll be so refreshing. But actual diversity wouldn't be yeah. refreshing. It would just feel so normal, right? That you're not. You, you well, know they don't I mean? know what that is. Let's just bitch out. But they really don't know what that is. They don't know that that world exists. I mean, I remember one of my best friends saying. I don't know what we were talking about. She did. What's so funny is she didn't know any black people. But right now in her life, like all of many of my white friends, all of their best friends are black, which I find <laughs> hilarious. So I'm like, my white friends are doing much better than I'm doing. But um, but that, you know, she was like, so your parents didn't have a cultural clash. And I was like, no, I was so shocked by it. And I was like, no, they actually didn't. I mean, I'm sure some interracial couples have that thing where it's like, you know, Some like Obama's parents. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. But I was like, my parents had uh, issues. But in that sense, they were both from New York. They went to the same high school. You know, they met at a party with friends. It wasn't like they were so not people coming from different worlds <laughs> in so many ways that when she said that, I was like, what the f are you talking about? <laughs> but to her, that world of the 60s and City College or whatever world I came from, just does not exist, just like the Cosby show does not exist to some people. They don't They don't know what Howard is. They don't know what Hampton is. They don't yeah. know what Morehouse is. They, they don't know any of these things. It's science fiction. They feel like we made it up to, to be politically correct. Like when I did my column for this book, you notice to see all the uh, illustrations in my book. Yes. Just flip through it. Yeah, I've, seen, I've, I've looked through you it. Go, yeah. Okay. So when I first got the book, all of the illustrations were white people. I, I did that did stand out to me when I looked through it. Uh oh that the that, no, but I made them put in black people. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, was I was like, no, in no, my no. Head, in my head I transitioned. <laughs> so, it stood out my, to me I, that there are a lot of black people and yes. people of color in it. Well, because when I wrote the book, that's just my friends and my neighborhood in there. But I used to just put the names of people I knew when I did the column. And at some point, my editor, not that editor, but my editor at the Times was like, OK, we have to stop this because we get a lot of complaints that people are being politically correct. And I was like, oh, so if I have actual black, actual black people <laughs> are a lie and you're being politically correct, like if I make that book 
which is the world I actually live in, which you can go drive to and see. Yeah, yeah. It was not invented to make white people feel guilty. <laughs> it's not fake. Then that's a lie. So we all live in Jersey City to be politically correct. <laughs> because otherwise, we'd just be with white people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how white is the default. It's sort of white. the default setting. Yeah, they like that, though. Did you read that article about... I just love how we're just... <laughs> Bitching out. But there's this article about Bill de Blasio in the Wall Street Journal. And it's really a bunch of white people being like, well, he's all for the poor. But what is he doing for us? And it's like, seriously, it's like you have one. Oh, yeah. yeah, But you have one mayor that gives like a fraction of attention (laughs) to the terrible poverty that's in the city, which, by the way, would be good for the middle class. You know what's good? Removing poverty. That's great, actually, (laughs) for the middle class. But it's just like, does everything have to be about you or you're complaining? Literally, everything has to be about you. Okay. (laughs) We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Lizzie Skernick's funny personal true story. Here's a clip. So when I was choosing the sperm, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. More It's All True after the break. On the latest episode of Pleasure Town. The devil has many forms, but you probably already knew that, right? Sometimes he looks like a lumbering beast. Other times, he might be disguised as a man of law. And other times, he ain't nothing but a wagon wheel. Join the story now at wbez.org slash pleasure town. Hey, welcome back to the It's All True podcast. I'm your host, Tim Barnes. And in each episode, I ask guests to reveal a headline for a funny personal true story. This week's guest is Jezebel.com columnist and author of the book, That Should Be a Word, Lizzie Skernick. Here's her headline. A home for unwed mothers. So when I was choosing the sperm, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Because, you know, you're choosing the sperm and, you know, something could be really bad about the person that you're just not seeing, <laughs> you know, that you haven't, like, considered. So what exactly is the process? Oh, of I feel like we should, like, make this visual. And yeah, yeah. It yeah. <laughs> is that a real computer? Because you can actually open it up. Oh, yeah. 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 Open up to California Cryo. You'll see there's a there's a left hand column, you know, that's like that J Crew way, and the fr- where you can fiddle it down to the you know the traits you want. Do you feel like you're making a major life decision, or is this sort of like browsing through? No, you know what you feel like. You feel like something mystical has to happen, and what <laughs> I can't tell is if because I'm writing an essay about if I, if you impose a mysticism on it. Because that's the only way, like, that's the way your brain can deal with it if you impose this mysticism or if it's something natural. I winnowed it down to scientists and engineers right away because I was like, I'm not buying any musician sperm. I don't need any (laughs) businessman sperm. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I'm just going to get a scientist. Um, And he was the first one that I saw. I don't think I even saw him when I had winnowed. And it was interesting because the thing I liked was that he rode around on a bike he made of spare parts and that he was an engineer. And I was like, oh, he's a builder. He builds it. 
He's not boring. But do you, do, what do you, what are your, what's your stance on like nature versus nurture? I know. See, that's oh, oh, that. No, I. I mean, oh, I thought you meant like nature. Like, didn't you like it that he he was he was like oh, you know? And I was like, I didn't care about that part. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, Javier has a lot of traits of the donor, but the hell does that mean? I mean, I don't know. Like every everybody has traits of everything. You know, you 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 have both, and then you're yourself. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't think of it as an either or. No, now type in donor selection. Or type okay. in type in whatever seems like it would help you to search. And see, that's a big white baby, but often it's not a white baby on the front. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe because it's because we're at NPR and they could tell. <laughs> it's there's usually the mixed mixed race donors are the biggest ones. Huh. They're like the most popular nowadays. So I'm clicking donor search. Donor search. Oh, and put in 13038 if you do that. Donor ID? Yeah, 13038. Okay. Maybe it's love science and singing. Yes, that's it. That's oh, it's love it. yes, science. Love science and singing. So this is what you saw? Yes, yes. This is, would you like to read this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because I'll read it and then I'll tell you the parts I noticed and then the parts I noticed later. We'll put some romantic music underneath. Oh, well, but no, it's not romantic. See, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, it's weird. You don't think of it as romance. You okay. think, which is so strange. You think of it as traits that you want. So I'll put some tech, very technological, yeah. straightforward music. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, scientifically minded and incredibly intelligent. Donor 13038 loves the outdoors. Totally didn't notice that. Like, I'm even noticing new things now. And can often be found riding around town on the homemade bicycle he built from scrap parts. So I noticed that. But this mechanical engineer isn't all seriousness and hard work. Um, I noticed mechanical engineer. In fact, this handsome guy with a big smile is quite funny and musical, too. He loves to sing karaoke, and he can also play drums. Totally never noticed that drums thing before. Personable and friendly, his hobbies include photography, cooking, and especially traveling. He has been to every continent except Antarctica and would love to see the South Pole. So traveling is the one I noticed, and um, that. I mean, this is such a choice. Did you do it this quickly? It was like, that's it. That's the one. No, no, no. Well, yes, he was the first one I liked. And then I looked around to I looked through everything to try to see. But then I came back to him. It was so weird. And then I finally did it. But I was terrified he would sell out. And then I was like, oh, he's the one I want. And he this did sell a, out. He did so sell future. out. I mean, I'm <laughs> s- maybe, maybe you know, because millennials have a penchant for hipsterdom where we're like a little behind the times in you, a way. You're maybe so I'm, behind the times. You're <laughs> idiots. You don't know anything. That's the I'm funny so thing. I'm so away from the <laughs> – That's why all of your trigger warnings crack us up because we're like, but you haven't – nothing has happened to you. And that's the show. Big, big thanks to Lizzie Skernick for stopping by. For more updates on Lizzie, visit lizzieskernick.com. It's All True is a production of WBEZ Chicago and The Whiskey Journal. The show is produced by me, Tim Barnes, I, myself, Joe Dassault, Brad Helm, and of course, Tim Barnes. If you dig the show, subscribe to the It's All True podcast on iTunes and tell people about it. Word of mouth is the biggest help in the world. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you.